a lot of the things I'm going to say, or God want me to communicate to you, you know already. The question is this. It's not so much that we don't know. It is what we don't what practice. How many of you have seen a map before? You have a, an app where you have a tom-tom or a map on your thing before. Who has got that? Okay. If you want to go to any destination, having a map is not enough. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Having the map is not enough. You better believe that. <laughs> Knowing what to do is never enough. Having enough information is not enough. It is in the practicing of what you know that benefits you. How many of you have received a prophetic word? Okay, wonderful. Having a prophetic word also by itself is not what? Enough. There are certain things you need to do. So before I go into what I have to say, I'll look at a few scriptures for us to prove to you so that you do not have the mindset of case Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be. It's not like that. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And can we have minimizing of movements now? Is that okay? If somebody can help me. I think all movements should cease now. So, so we can focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You notice two things here. Because a lot of the things I am going to say, okay, God has already given you and I the grace to do it. The issue is this. Will you receive the grace of God in vain or not? Paul is saying... I had grace from God, yet I labored and I worked hard than all of them, yet not I, by the grace of God. Because at times, we have visions from God because the theme of this conference is, or for this leadership meeting is what? Fulfilling what? Your vision. What will help you to fulfill your vision? What will enable you? I want to settle one thing very clear, that God's grace... It's for all of us. God does not give some people more grace than others. However, notice what Paul says. He says, the grace of God given to me was not in vain. One of the ways to understand the Bible is to look at the opposite. It means that you can receive the grace of God, what? In vain. It can be given to you, but it will not yield the result that it needs to be yielded. Go to 2 Corinthians 6.1. I just want to lay that foundation so we do not think it will be by just uh, wishing it. We then, as workers together with him also, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Do not receive God's grace in vain. And then finally, Galatians 2.21. Galatians 2.21. It says... Do not set aside the grace of God. Do not set aside the grace of God. So what I want to just establish is everybody here, whatever vision or mission God has given to us, we have grace. However, we can frustrate the grace of God. We can make the grace of God of no effect. So, the things that I'm going to say... It is the human side. What do you have to do to make sure that what your dream or whatever vision God has given to you come to pass? How many of you know that God calls Saul, King Saul, but he failed? God calls people, anoints them, gives them grace, but they fail. You have to cooperate with God or you become a hindrance to God. So I want to use Nehemiah as an example of how to fulfill our vision. Some principles from the book of Nehemiah or from the life of Nehemiah. Everybody wants to fulfill their dream or their vision in life. I'm sure that is why you are here, isn't it so? But it doesn't just happen. My philosophy is this, nothing just what happens. 
Everything that happens has got cause and effect. Nothing just happens. Okay, so let's look at the Nehemiah. I think I will jump his character, some characteristics that he had. If there's time, I'll go back to that. I want to look at the principles that helped Nehemiah to achieve his dream. What happened was the people of Israel had gone into apostasy. They had rebelled against God. They were living idolatrous life. And God did not like it. So he sent Nebuchadnezzar to take them into what? Into slavery. For 70 years, the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied, because he was part of the people who were sent into exile, that in 70 years' time, God will restore again Israel to her inheritance. So the 70 years had come and gone, and some of the exiles who were taken to slavery had been released back. And Nehemiah was the third bunch of people who went back. But Jeremiah, sorry, Nehemiah was the third group of people who decided that they would go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1, and let's see how it transpired. Nehemiah was a man who was in a high position. He was in a place of strong influence. He was a very powerful man in the Persian kingdom. The Babylonian kingdom had, had, uh, had been destroyed by the Persians, so it was being ruled by the Persians now. And Nehemiah was one of the, uh, one of the closest guys. He, he was the king's cup bearer, and uh, it wasn't a, and, uh, a cheap job. It was quite a high-profile job. So Nehemiah chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev. In the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, verse 2, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from, from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. Notice that the man, despite he was enjoying prosperity, he was enjoying good life, was still concerned about the state of his people. Let me ask you a question. What are you concerned about? You know, those of us who don't have our vision or whatever, we don't know what to do. What is your vision? What is your passion? Nehemiah was very concerned. He asked them, despite his position, where he can live comfortably with his family for the rest of his life. He wasn't satisfied. So he asked them, and they told him, the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. Verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. When he heard and saw the state of his people, it led him to take an action. The first point of Jeremiah's life was he had passion. He had passion to solve a problem. What do you have passion to do? He had the passion that the state of Israel, of Judah, was not right. He had to correct it. He had to make, he had to make sure that what? Something had to be done about it. You know, at times, it's very easy to be a consultant in, as a Christian. You know what consultants are? They can see all that is wrong. Hello? Are you here? They can see all that is wrong, but to put your hand to work is a different thing. Everybody can be a consultant. If I go out there and I see a car with the tie busted, everybody can see that the tie is what? Busted. But it takes somebody, a man of vision, a man of purpose, a woman of vision or purpose, to go and get what? The spare tire and what? Change it. Nehemiah was not like that. Nehemiah decided that no, the state of Judah must change. So he had passion. So the first thing you need to have, I think Prophet Anna mentioned it yesterday, what is your passion? If you want to fulfill any vision, anything, you should have a strong passion. Do you have a passion? Ask your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you have a passion? Now, that passion must not be passion for food. Or passion to get a nice car. Or passion to get a nice house. It should be a passion to change the world to the glory of God. I'm referring to Christians. Every passion you have is way outside of you. Let me say it furthermore. Every passion you have 
must be beyond, must be beyond your comfort zone. It cannot be within your comfort zone. It is something that will cost you. It is something that is, uh, can cost you, even ultimately your life. So this man decided that this is my passion. I want to see Jerusalem what? Restored. I'm not going to sit down, but I'm going to what? Pray and fast. So he did that. So the first thing is this. What is your passion? What are you passionate about? It's a good question to ask. What are you passionate about? You know, nowadays, in the body of Christ, people are all passionate about what? What they can get from God. I know what I'm saying. A lot of emphasis is, can I get my personal what? Breakthrough. True or not true? You are looking at me as if I'm speaking Greek. I'm not speaking Greek. I'm speaking plain English. And I'm telling you the state of the body of Christ. Hardly do you see people with passion to advance the cause of Christ at any cost. So Nehemiah had passion. He had concern. He had care for God's people to prosper. Number two, this is very important. Prophet mentioned yesterday as well. For you to accomplish any vision that is of God, you need what we call the anointing. Say the anointing. I read Corinthians to you about Paul said, it was the grace of God that was working in me. Without the anointing, you can't do anything for God. It's impossible. Whatever you do in your own human strength or energy will amount to nothing. I'm, I'm, referring, I'm assuming certain things. That I'm assuming that you're a child of God, you have a purpose, you have a vision you want to pursue. So I'm making that assumption. Is that okay? What you need after you have the passion, you need the anointing of God. You need what we call the oil. Let us see whether Nehemiah had it. Because most of the time we are struggling without oil, without the anointing. You will struggle and struggle. I will struggle and struggle if the anointing is not upon me. Let me just, before we go to Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 8, before we go there. I remember I was listening to a man of God. God, he believed God had called him and he labored for years. But the church was not growing. He preached and preached. The more he was preaching, the more the church was what? Going down. Who have experienced that before? <laughs> the more you try, the more the thing was. So, and he used to pray a lot. Pray fast, pray fast. So he said one day, whilst he was praying, and he's been praying the whole day, and he put a tape on listening to this man of God. So whilst he was praying, he fell asleep. But the tape, it was the old type of tapes where it can what? Reverse autoplay. How many of you remember? So the thing was on autoplay right from about maybe 7 to about 3 a.m. So he woke up at 3 a.m. The thing was still what? Playing. He'd been praying. And it's good to pray long hours and fall asleep. Is there something wrong with that? Amen. So he said when he woke up and he was listening to the tape, all of a sudden something happened. He said as if something jumped from the tape and entered into him. And then he heard a voice, and the voice said, from today, you can preach and teach. That was all. From that day, he will preach the same preaching. He will say the same thing, but the power and the effect of it was different. The church started just growing like that. Same preaching, nothing. But the oil had come upon him. I can give you the history of all D.L. Moody, the Spurgeons, all those people. They were ordinary till something came over their lives. They would say the same thing, but the effect of it was different. Look, you and I cannot accomplish anything for God without the anointing. If there's one thing you should crave more than anything, it's the anointing. It is the Spirit of the Lord. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, everything that you do becomes easy. Hallelujah. Whilst you struggled before, now, no more struggling. If you used to sing and people will not listen, now when you sing, people will listen. Hallelujah. The anointing is very critical to the work of God for your life. If there's one thing you must seek, if you believe you have a passion, God is called, is the anointing, is the oil. Let your hand come upon me, O oh God. Like we read, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus told them, do not go anywhere till the anointing comes upon you. Nobody could do anything for God. Even Jesus could not do anything for 30 years. He was just a carpenter. True or not true? And at the age of 30, he was baptized. And when he was baptized, all of a sudden, 
the anointing, the heavens, and then the oil. And then he goes to the world, look for, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news, to set the captives free, to heal the broken heart, and so on and so forth. That is what I'm referring to. If there's one thing you need, you need even to usher, you need the anointing. Hallelujah. It's not just greeting. The anointing should be upon someone. When you greet somebody who is demonized, just before they come to the said the demons will leave them. Hallelujah. You can believe God for those things. Don't do whatever call you think God has for you in your own flesh. I can give you story upon story. There's one woman I admire a lot, Heidi Baker. I like listening to her. She had struggled for years, she and the husband, as missionaries. I mean, they have struggled. Struggled. They were almost giving up. And I think somebody invited her to a meeting. I don't know whether it was during the times of Toronto Blessing or whatever. So she went. And that day when she went, something happened to her. The power of God just well, fell upon her. Since then, her ministry is totally what? Different. She's got about 10,000 churches. The anointing upon her. What it takes people three years to do, it just takes her 15 minutes to do. Say the anointing. You must crave the anointing if you want to achieve God's vision for, vision for your life. It is called the equipping ability of God to accomplish the work of God. Do you have it? Do you crave it? Are you waiting for it? When it's upon you, nobody, you don't have to tell people I'm anointed. If you go around telling people I'm anointed, I'm anointed, you are not. <laughs> the people will see it. It will be evidence that there's something upon this person. That's what I'm referring to. You want to achieve your vision or your mission, you need the oil of God. If there's one thing any person should pray for. You know there's anointing to make money, Titus. There's an anointing. It is God who gives you the power, the anointing to make wealth. So those of you who believe that you are called to make millions, you need the anointing, not connections. Hallelujah. It's the anointing that will open the connections for you. It's the anointing that will open it. Without the anointing, you will struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. Look, I told you at the beginning, it's not just having knowledge or knowing something. All that I'm saying, everybody knows it already. The question is this. Is the anointing of God upon your life? There are certain things, by the way, you need to do for the anointing. I'm not going to that, so that's for another teaching. But there are certain things you can do for the anointing to come upon your life. Amen. So let's look at how Nehemiah said the anointing of God is upon me. Let's, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8. But a, but a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me the timber to make beams. Now he needed finances, resources, to go and build the walls of Jerusalem and the gates, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the hand of God upon me. According to the anointing, when I made requests, for two million to buy that building, the anointing opened the door. If you don't have the anointing. <laughs> so Nehemiah is saying, I had something special about me. So when I asked the king, I need this and I need that and I need that. It was given to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The anointing is, is so critical. Especially anybody who wants to go in direct you know, uh, ministry of teaching, and you need the anointing, or oh, it's a struggle. Do you know how many pastors quit, at least in America, a month? Just a month in America. Over 4,000 pastors quit every month. Yeah. That was, this statistic is even in the uh, uh, early 2000s. I don't know what it is now. But when the oil is upon you, <laughs> when the anointing is upon you, it's a different ballgame. Let's look again. This is not the first time Nehemiah said that. Go to Nehemiah verse 18 and see again. He kept on stressing that God's hand is upon me. God's hand is upon me. Verse 18. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been upon me. This is when he had gone into, into Jerusalem and he was consulting with certain people. And said, I told them that the anointing was upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us... Rise and build. You think it is easy for people to say, let us rise and build. It is not. You must have something special about you. 
Amen. You know, there's music and there's music. Remember the story of King Saul when he was demonized because God has left him. When he was in trouble, who did they call for? David. David, the sweet psalmist of what? Of Israel. Because when he took the guitar and he began to sing, the Lord is my strength. The anointing will cause the demons not to be able to what? Stay upon Saul. But another person can sing the same song and the demons will be more happy. The difference is the anointing. Say the anointing. My friend, don't do anything for God or don't even start without the anointing. Or if you're not careful, you'll be so discouraged, you'll throw in the towel even before the game starts. You need to be anointed. I need to be anointed. You need the oil. You need it upon you. How can, you, how can I send my daughter to go and get me, let's say, go and get me sandwiches? I don't give what, her money to go and buy it. How can God send you without the anointing? By the time we go before the anointing, what? It's released. That is what the challenge is. So you just struggle all over the place. You need the anointing. You need the oil. I need the oil. You need the, you need the anointing to play the drums. Some people can play the drums and demons will leave people. I'm telling you not theories. I'm telling you realities. We should never do God's work without the unction. Even Jesus, who was a perfect man, would not do it till the anointing came upon him. He told the disciples the same thing. Don't go anywhere till I send the gift of the Father. Then you can become witnesses. You can become proof producers that indeed I'm alive. But don't go and try and just talk. Hallelujah. So you need the anointing. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need the anointing. I'm talking to you about the processes of how to accomplish the vision of God for your life. It doesn't just happen. Nothing just happens. I will say it again. Nothing just happens. Of course, God is God, his sovereignty. Once in a while he can do certain things. He's God. He's got the prerogative to do that. But under normal circumstances, nothing just happens. If I want to be more powerful, I need to do certain things to receive more grace. I told you about the man of God who struggled for years till something came upon him. If you like, I've got the book eh, of all some of the great women and men of God, the summaries of their lives. It's a very powerful book. It just, and if you read all of them, something happened to them at a particular stage of their life. Something came upon them, and then everything changed. Is the anointing. So please, don't spend your time and energy wasting doing different, some of you up and down trying to find this connection. Use that time on your knees, fasting, studying the Bible, and crying out to God. You see, the third thing that Nehemiah, uh, we can learn from Nehemiah in trying to accomplish the vision of God for our life was that Nehemiah was a man of faith. He was a very courageous man. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 20. He was a man of faith and he was a courageous man. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. That is faith. Because when they were, they were looking at the situation, the situation wasn't good at all. But then this man was speaking faith. He says, because Nehemiah knew that the hand of God is upon him, he said this. The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servant, will arise and build. Then he tells, you know, the enemies what they should do. But the point is this. What was he saying? He was declaring what he believed in his heart. He was declaring what God had what? Damn, or God had said to him. Every person, every man, every woman, if you are going to accomplish God's vision for your life, you need to exercise faith. Say faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In fact, no man ever walked with God without faith. It's not possible to walk with God without faith. It's not possible. It's not possible. And we all know what faith is. You, you, you need faith. You need to believe God that it shall be as it has been what? Spoken to you. Yes. You need to stand when everything is telling you that you are going down. You need to stand on God's word. You must refuse. You must have courage and say, I believe God. It shall be so. These are the factors that makes you and I to accomplish God's dream for our lives. I'm talking about you can use the worldly ways or you can use the divine ways. 
Faith and courage is very important. God told Joshua, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. You will take these people to the land of their inheritance. Just be courageous. Be bold. What has God told you to accomplish? You need to be courageous. You need to what? Be bold. But it to be undergirded by faith. Now, faith is what God has what? Told you. It's not your own porcupine mind what? Imagining and creating something. You must hear God speak to you. Nehemiah could not just say that God is going to prosper us by his own imagination. You know that every Christian has got good intentions, true or not true? If you are left, you and I, the whole United Kingdom will be worshiping God, true or not true? So every Christian has got good intentions, but that is not enough. You need to hear God. Because all of us are different. We have different callings and visions. I need to know what God is telling me concerning my sphere that God has given to me. I need to hear God's voice. Not somebody else's word, prophecy or somebody else's. You must know what God is telling you. Because that is what empowers you to stand your ground. If you just go by your own imagination, when the winds begin to blow, as you will see, as for the winds, they will blow. As for the adversities, they will come. I was telling somebody the other day, never, never pray and tell God you don't want adversities. It's not possible. As long as you're in this body here on earth. I say if you don't want that, then tell God you want to die and go to heaven. But as long as we are on this here, you will face adversities. You will face challenges. It's a, it's a, it's a given. So there are certain prayers we shouldn't pray. Oh God, please, uh, I don't want any trouble. I want to do your work. I don't want any trouble. In fact, the more you want to do God's work, the more you get more trouble. But if you're a man or a woman of faith, you stand, you refuse to be moved. You know God has said it, and it will come to pass. You can read again his faith. Let's go to chapter 6, verse 8 to verse 13. How to accomplish the vision of God for your life. Verse 8, then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them. This is when the people were trying to what, discourage him and all of that. So they tried to, uh, his enemy, the Sambala, the Tobias, and those guys, they wanted him to throw in the towel. Okay. They tried all kinds of means, which we'll come to. This was his response. I'm saying you have to be very courageous because things will come against you when you want to do God's will. In fact, the more you see opposition, at times, it's a sign that God wants you to do that thing. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they, are all, for they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. You see, you know circumstances will come for that thing not to happen. Situation will come to discourage you. And then he prayed, for they all were trying to make us afraid. Their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. So he prays. Go on. Verse 10. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. Can you? <laughs> and I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who will go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. It takes courage to do that. When somebody has come, it was a man of God who came, Shemaiah, you know, he said he's a priest. Come and tell you, Peter. You know, at times, <laughs> I'm going to tell another thing. You need to design God's voice properly. Because the person who came was not Satan's, what? A satanic person. It was a man of God who came and told him, you know what? This situation, this dream, this vision, you need to do such and such and such. He said, no, I'm not doing it. I will not be afraid. What he was trying to say is this. If I have to die concerning pursuing the vision God has given to me, I'll do it. But I will not be afraid, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are an afraid man. In secondary school, we used to call some people afraid man. When situation crops up, you find some people retreating. That's what afraid man is. Instead of going forward and confronting the thing, they begin to retreat. They begin to cave in. Naima was a very courageous man. He was quite bold. 
all the people, Jesus, you know, David, the, all of them were very courageous people. In the face of stiff opposition, they refused to yield. How many of us want to what? Accomplish our vision God has for us. Let me see my hand. You need faith and courage. Why do you need faith and courage? It means that you will face what? Adverse circumstance. That is why you need this. Number four. This is a very critical point. So I've highlighted it big in Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. If you look throughout the book of Nehemiah, the man was mixing prayer with everything, all the step of the way. Let me ask you, as a visionary and a missionary, who is going to accomplish great things? How is your prayer life? Oh, are we here? Say, neighbor. How is your prayer life? Let them tell you. Ask them. I told you, Having the information is not enough. It will never get you to the destination by having a map. Just having a map will not get you to your destination. Like all of us would have reached our destination long ago. Am I talking to leaders here? I said, am I talking to leaders here? I'm telling you, and I'll state it again. Having a map will not get you to the, your destination. Having a map to Birmingham will not just get you to what? Birmingham. You can have the map. Go to AA. And then you get the map, pass it, pass it, A this, A that, A that, M this. It's not going to get you there. You need to actually practically what? Do what you have to do. This man, Nehemiah, was a man of prayer. Right from the onset, when he had a passion, he birthed that passion in prayer throughout. Let me give you a few scriptures just to illustrate this to you. Look, you have to be a person of prayer if you want to last and work with God. You need to. You see, one of the things about life is this. Wisdom teaches you is this. Look at the pattern of people's life, okay? And then, if you pattern your life after the whatever guidelines or principles, you'll find out that you can accomplish the same thing as they have. That's what the Bible says. These things are written for your examples. These things have been written for us to learn. So we don't make the same mistake those people made. Okay. So Nehemiah was a man full of prayer. Now, if I want to do anything, I say, that's why I ask people, when you are talking to your pastor, I ask them, pastor, do you pray enough? <laughs> ask them that question. How often do you pray? Because if the man is not praying, you are in trouble. <laughs> the man is not hearing from God. He'll be telling you, porcupine, he's telling you where that has, is no life in it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you are leading anything, mm. You're all leaders here, isn't it? You are leading a department, and you don't pray. You think you can use your own strength to lead a thing? The devil will dribble you and play. I'm not joking. See, these are realities we need to understand. It will help all of us advance very fast. Instead of lying to ourselves, deceiving ourselves. Paul said, the grace of God given to me was not in vain. I labored hard on all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God working in me mightily. You need to love to pray. Have you know that praying is not easy? You are talking to somebody you can't see. You think it's easy? <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. But if you want to be strong, to accomplish God's vision, you need to pray. I wish I had time to just go into this one alone. Because one of the things you, know, you notice about Nehemiah is this. Every point in time, he needed to consult the person who was God to do the work. God, the church is this. What is your mind? You are the boss. Tell me. Show me what I need to do. Do you know that every church has got the key to unlock it? You can, I, we can go to all the conferences and learn all the principles of church growth. You try and apply it and you'll be more frustrated. I read a lot about pastors and they go all the conference. They have the books like that. Come to my office. You see the books. However, after all the books, after everything, all the principles, you need God, the Holy Spirit, to tell you which key this particular church needs to unlock it. It's like making money. We all don't make, those of you are making, you don't make money the same way. God has got the key to you. And the important thing is to find out what is that word, key. And it comes through when you're on your knees praying. Then God will tell you the key. I can't wait for certain keys to be revealed to me. Hello? 
And once I was, uh, we were praying and I was speaking to prophet about something. Then the word of God came and said, God said, no, I myself will teach you certain things. Nobody is going to teach you. So I said, God, remember, teach me those things. Hallelujah. I have to pray to that thing becomes flesh in my life. You have to be a man and a woman of prayer. You can't be sleeping and think the dream will come to pass. Hello? In fact, Jesus expects, this is normal leaders here, at least one hour prayer. Somebody say you are being legalistic. I'm just telling you. You feel like break it up into bits. It's up to you. But the point I want to make is this. You must be a man and a woman of prayer. Nehemiah, I'll give you the scripture. You can read it. Because of time, we, do, we can't go into all of that. So it's so many. of. In fact, you see first, number, chapter 1, verse 4. I'll just go through them for you. Chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 6, verse 9 and 14. Chapter 6, verse 9 and 14. Chapter 13, verse 14, verse 22, verse 29, and verse 31. Okay, if we have time, all of this need more what? Uh, release. I wish I had time to go through it, all of that. But all I want to stress to you is that you need to be a prayerful person. If you and God are going to accomplish the vision you have for your life. How many of you know that we are fighting an enemy we don't see? Have you seen Satan before? Have you seen the, the demons who are trying to harass you before? You can feel their effect, but you don't what? See them. So if they are laying an ambush against you in this door, how would you know? You wouldn't know. But the, there's somebody who knows all things. He's called who? God. So the more I communicate with him, the more he can direct my path. And saw the thing out and tell me, don't go through here, John. Go through here. Are we here? I'm just trying to help you how to, you know, at times we just want to receive, 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 you know. Uh, <laughs> receive, 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 receive. If I'm talking about people who are careers of a vision to accomplish it, it's a different ballgame. If you want to be a world changer, a history maker, like I think somebody was said that there will be a world changer, they had a prophetic word like that. They should be trained how to be what? A world changer. Can I say something to you just to help you? Why you need to pray? Paul told Timothy, say, Timothy, you have received some prophetic words, very powerful words. However, you must war with the prophetic word so that it shall be fulfilled. It means that if Paul and Timothy just sat down without warring with the word that God has spoken, over his life. It won't happen. So those of us with prophetic words, you need to pray a lot for the manifestation because there's always an end. Do you know why God tells you your prophetic word? He tells you, one, so that you stay in faith, so that you know what to do, so you don't abort your destiny and so forth. That's why he tells you. But what God at times doesn't tell you, he doesn't tell you what, the trouble you're going to face. Hello? When God told them, go to the promised land, he did not tell them about the Hittites and the Avites and all of that. Then when they got to the place, they said, ah, there are some giants in the land. Did God know they were giants? Before he told them, you are going to take the land. But they have to fight. Let me give you, I'm just, it just coming to me, one important reason why you need to pray. Remember the story of Moses when he sent Joshua to go and fight the Amalekites. He told Joshua, you take the army, go and fight in the valley. I will stand on top of the mountain with the rod of God in my hand. And I will pray. And then we will have the victory. The Bible says when Moses' hand was up with the, with the rod, Joshua what? Prevailed. When Moses got tired and his hands what? Came down. The Amalekites prevailed against Israel. So Aaron and Er have to go and help Moses. They have to hold his hand, what? Up. Till the enemy was routed. That is prayer. That is intercession. Let me tell you. There are certain defeats or certain things are not happening concerning your dreams and your visions because you are not praying. It's as simple as that. 
God in his scheme, I don't want to go into all the technicalities, but God in his scheme of affairs have limited himself in a way to our prayers, to work with us in cooperation with man on earth here for us to pray. Other than that, there's no need to pray because God knows it and he will just make it happen. It doesn't happen like that. Let's move on. In prayer as well, let me stress this. The man knew the voice of God. It's in prayer that you hear God's voice very clear. When you pray, the more you pray, the more you can hear God clearly. The more your spiritual senses are heightened. In fact, the best way in prayer is that you need to hear God. It's not just we talking and talking and talking and talking. All that we need is that God just speak one word to me. Let me know what I have to do. As a missionary, as a visionary, as whatever you believe God is calling you to, you need to hear from God. Because immediately I hear from God. It's as if you know, you can only operate in the revelation you have. You can only operate to what God has revealed to you. So true prayer is not just usually just talking one, one, you know, one way. You need to wait and hear God speak back to you. And Nehemiah had that. He will hear God tell him what to do. The next point. Teamwork. You can never accomplish the dream God has for you by yourself. You always need to work with a team. Say teamwork. There's not one man show. God never has operated one man show. You always need somebody. This is where prayer, in fact, prayer must what? Must infuse everything you do. Even Jesus, when he was about to choose those who was going to be very close to him, he had to spend all night in prayer to decide who would be close to him. Do you know that's not everybody who should be close to you? Oh, you know, just, just take one bad apple to destroy everything. Hello, are you here? You seem as if you, you didn't sleep well last night. <laughs> Let me tell you, the things I'm telling you, one day, we come and see Pastor John said it. <laughs> you need to pray for God to tell you who to what? Be part of your team. It's not because it's my uncle, he should be part of the team. Hello? Hello? Are you here? Jesus prayed all night, and then God showed him the 12, who she should pick to be very close to him. Moses did not just pick anybody. Instructions were given the kind of people to pick. All throughout scripture, Paul said, I have nobody like Timothy. He is very dear to me, very critical to the ministry. He said, it's very important to me. The little one, he said, bring me John Mark. He's also very important to me. Not just anybody. Let me tell you, Nehemiah, when he went to Jerusalem, he needed partners to work with. He consulted certain family heads. And the Bible said he was quiet. He did not tell anybody anything. He went around, checked everything. And then he calls certain people to be close to him. By the way, without the anointing, you cannot get the right people as well. It takes the anointing to get the right people close to you. I'm not joking. It's the oil. It does everything. Oh, yes. You need people. You need others. God never, when God calls a man, he calls us what? People around them to accomplish the dream. And I'm telling you, you better pray. That's why Jesus said it. The what? The harvest is what? Plentiful. But pray to the Lord of what? The harvest. That he will send what? Laborers. Let me tell those of you who want to do great things. Now it hasn't begun. Begin to pray today for laborers, for your ministry. For your yes. Begin to pray now. That God send me the right people. Give me the right laborers together to accomplish your work. You need to pray that. At times you should see, look, know all the people we see that we hail, you know, maybe the figure has, if we are to know the people around them, it will surprise you. So for you to accomplish your dream, you need team. You need the right people. One small little bad apple will mess the whole thing up. You don't use your eyes to pick, oh, uh, I think I like Esther, she's very nice. Me and Esther, we get on very well. So I should pick you. Why should I pick you? Because we get on well. It has nothing to do with that. Hello? Are you here? You pick people based upon supernatural revelation. People who must come close to you. Look, I'm telling you things that if you violate one day, 
this message will visit you. It's like marrying. You just don't marry anybody. Hello? Who is not married here? Raise your hands. You want to get married? You better be careful who you marry. I will say it again. I say you better be careful one wrong person in your life if you marry wrong. <laughs> it's the same thing. You better pray and don't use what? Body to marry. Oh, this woman is loaded. You know what I mean by loaded? She's got the calves, you know? 36 what? Titus. <laughs> if you like marry on the basis of body, that's how a lot of leaders also do. They use their physical sight. And then later on, how many of you appointed a leader and you regretted before? <laughs> you employed somebody and you regretted before. See, Jesus, what have I done? Now, you, know, you cannot go and undo the thing. You need to do it in prayer. <laughs> Teamwork is very, very important. Find ways to collaborate with others. Pray to God for partners. In fact, in the history of Nehemiah, there were four kings that became partners to him. Kings who were idolatrous people. Gods are not, this is what the anointing The anointing was so good that all these kings, Xerxes, Artaxerxes, Cyrus, all of them were in favor and they helped Nehemiah. Even unbelievers will help you. Hello? They all came to help Nehemiah to build the, the family heads, the different families. He connected all of them. You think Nehemiah could have built the wall alone by himself? By the way, he finished. It was more than just building walls. Nehemiah went there to restore Israel back to the worship of God. The walls were just to you know, protect them so they can serve and worship. It wasn't just building the wall. The wall was accomplished in 52 days. But there was more to it you know, if, you, if you study him. Who are your partners now in life? You know you need people who will champion you, who will fight with you, who will stand in the rain with you, who will go through the storms with you, and they are standing with you. You need that. Amen. And those of you who are married, your spouse should be the first person to do that. Oh, the amen was very strong. <laughs> because if your spouse is against you, you know the Bible even says something. If you marry wrong, the Bible says, People's enemies will be people of their own household. Uh, Jesus is always correct. If you marry wrong, your spouse can be an enemy to you. So don't say that. I'm telling the truth. So you don't marry wrong. <laughs> oh, you should say thank you, Pastor. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just telling you. When the thing happens, you see, a wise man sees danger and they avoid it. But the foolish goes head on. It's in the scriptures. Pastor John didn't write it. I'm telling you, you need a team. You should pray for team partners for your vision and for your call. Because just take one wrong person to come in and mess everything. You know, it just takes one person to mess everything up. Nehemiah had people, he had what, the kings, and he had the family heads, all of them working with him. Motivate people to work. Get people who will stand with you, who will work hard with you. Nehemiah did not do it alone. You know, Nehemiah, when he had what? Ezra. He had the prophets. He had different ones. The Zachariah and all those prophets were there at that time with him. By the way, I didn't say something about the anointing. Zechariah, where we read as Zechariah, I think, 4, 6, where he said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, save the Lord. All that time, Nehemiah's time, those guys, that's when he prophesied. Where he was being told that to accomplish this work, it will take the anointing of God to do it. Let's move on. The other thing that you need to practice, and time is almost up, nine minutes up. Maybe I'll run through this and then uh, you can ask questions. You need a strong, focused work ethic. Say work ethic. You must like to work hard. Lazy people never accomplish anything. You can be anointed and be lazy and you will not fulfill your dream or vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 4, he becometh for poor that works with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Say hard work. 
You might love hard work. Hard work is not a curse. Before the curse came, there was hard work. You must love hard work. And for us, the preachers, our number one hard work is laboring in prayer and the word. If it's yours, it is music. It is what? Laboring in what? Practicing your music. I've read about top, top musicians who practice seven hours a day. They are, they are the top and the height of their game. Eh? They practice seven hours every day. Hello? It means that when I read, it means that I as a preacher as well, I must study and pray at least seven hours. Yeah. To be on the top of your game. It doesn't just happen, my brother and my sister. It doesn't just happen. You must remove that thing from your mind. Hard work. Because of time, I can't, but Nehemiah worked very hard. He was so focused. The enemies were coming left, right, and but he was focused. He said, we work hard. He encouraged, let's work hard. You must love hard work. Whatever feel, whatever you want to accomplish, you need to work hard. I was going to say something. Where is Sandra? <laughs> you remember what I was going to say? <laughs> you must work hard. Can I say it? <laughs> I remember years ago, yeah, when we started the church, she used to play this thing. It's not the thing is not playing. This I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, I said, my friend, you want to go to another level. You need to go and practice and work what? Hard. Or people will come and they'll bypass you. Who are more who, who are practicing? Look, it is life. Oh, you are making me feel very happy here, leaders. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> you must love whatever you feel you want to do. God has called you to, you must work very hard on it. Very, very hard. Business, you must work hard. You must read the business books. How do you do it? You must read. You must learn. You must go and visit people who know it more than you and learn from them. When I'm with Prof, I don't ask him, uh, then I ask him, what is the secret of, I'll study his private life. Because it is those things that make this thing happen public. So if I practice the same thing, well, that is what will happen. Hard work is not a curse. You must labor hard. Very, very hard. I've got some friends, I mean, the way they labor hard. When I look at them, they put me to shame. I say, oh, Lord. I'm not joking. How they labor, and, and so they are very good in whatever they do. You must be very what? Focused. Don't dissipate your energy all over what? Their place. Focus. This one thing I do. Forgetting everything, I focus on this. This is what I'm, this is my grace. This is my, I, everything else is secondary, peripheral. I will not give my, look, you must cut certain things off your life to focus on what is most important to accomplish your dream or your vision. I will encourage you, if you like, read the biographies in the Bible or biographies of people who accomplished greatness. It did not just happen. Despite the anointing and the grace, they work very hard. Hello? Those of you who are married, your spouses should say, get up. You are too lazy. Get up. You need people like that in your life. Hello? Yeah! My friend, you have got so much potential. I'll tell my children, you've got potential, but... If you are lazy, you will not amount to anything. Whilst your friends are playing games, you should be doing whatever you need to do. Oh, yeah. The amen is very encouraging. Yeah. Hard work. You must work hard. You must work hard, I'm telling you. You must work so hard that your brain is sweating, yeah. Jesus was a hard worker. Nehemiah was a hard. They worked so 52 days. They built the whole world. 52 days. We must love hard work. That's why you need to pray. You don't need lazy people around you. People always complaining. It's too much. It's hard. What's this? How should we go for practice? Oh, so you think it will just happen? Hello? You want to flow. <laughs> Look, these are things that God will not come and do. I told you at the beginning, that's why I read those scriptures. As for the grace of God, it is given to us. But then it can be in vain if we don't re 
respond and work with the grace. Paul said, I work with the grace of God. It wasn't in vain. I did not frustrate God's grace. I jumped and I flowed with it. Hard work. I don't know why I'm stressing that. We need to work hard. Whatever field, whatever dream, you need to work hard. I'm sure as a politician, you work hard. Oh, yes. You need to work hard. Everybody has a dream, has a vision. You need to work hard. don't have time to go into other things. I think I will, I will end there. But uh, let me mention, you have oppositions. You have enemies on your journey to accomplishing your dream. You have strong enemies. Say strong enemies. Who are out to take you out and take me out. However, there are two kinds of enemies. Who can tell me the two kinds of enemies? There are two kinds. You can categorize them into two main branches. Two, yes? That they are internal enemies. And they are what? External enemies. The most worst form of enemy is the internal one. Not the external one, you see them coming. But your own weaknesses. If I'm the devil, let's say I'm fighting Peter, and Peter is very somebody. I know Peter has got just one weakness, his left ear. Where do you think I'll be targeting? Just to get Axel, let him hit me. I just want one punch, his left ear, I'll finish him. Let me tell you, you should watch out for your internal. I don't have time to go about Nehemiah's character. His character was so strong, that is why the enemies could not overcome him. If his character was weak like Samson, who loves strange women? Something had a major weakness. Strange what? Even when his father was advising him, these are strange women. We are not supposed to marry. He said, this is the one I want. I want the father go and get her for me. That was his downfall. He was downfall. By Delilah. Strange woman. Stroking his hair. He didn't know he was being a lamb led into the slaughter. The man, was he anointed? Was he powerful? What brought him down? Strange women. His own internal weakness. You, all of us today, the devil knows everybody, including me, your weakness. Everybody here, the devil knows it. They are called familiar spirits. They know you inside out. They know you more than you know yourself. Some people even don't know when they are in attack that Satan is maneuvering against them, using your weaknesses against you. Your worst enemy is you. It's not the devil. It's the person you saw in the mirror when you were doing your hair. That is your enemy. I read the book of uh, this guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Graham. What's his name? Billy Graham. His fat book. He said throughout his life, the thing he has come, the conclusion is this. I've always been my worst enemy. He said the worst enemy is the person you see in the mirror. Like the things I've told you, you are the one who decide not to pray. It's not the devil who say don't pray. You are the one who decide that you will not work hard. It's not the devil who tell you don't work hard. You are the one who will not do things to feed your faith and to make it become courageous. It's not the devil. The devil will just tempt you. You can choose to receive it or not. But your weaknesses will make you succumb or not. That is why you need to what Bible says what? Throw away every weight and the sin that easily does what? Beset us. Because he knows it will trip us your worst enemy, before you start binding the witches and the wizards, deal with the internal enemy. Because if you bind the witches and the wizards, and there's still the host in you, when they come back, they'll take you out. You want to fulfill your vision. We know in history, those who started and didn't end well, and those who ended well, all is based on one reason, their internal weaknesses. You like those of you who like pornography. Don't get too quiet on me now. You know it's a weakness. You better deal with it. Now, before it gets too far. Those of you who like women, admit that I have got some womanizing spirits I need to be free from. Now, before, you know the devil, he's smart. He can keep it hidden for 20 years. He will not attack you for 20 years. You think you're okay. This place is very holy. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you've got a problem with anger, the devil will just let, and just one small little anger you manifest can ruin everything you have built. It's in the Bible in Proverbs. What other weaknesses do people have? Food. You can't fast every day, chop, chop. 
<laughs> if you fight, say, oh, my stomach, I'm going to collapse. Of course you collapse, you're always sitting. <laughs> my time is up. Next time, you need to give me three hours. <laughs> do you know, by the way, ask your neighbor, do you know your weakness? Do you know your internal weakness? Ask them, do you know it? What betrays you if you don't know? I know mine. Three of them. Always on the guard against them. Because they may never go. You have to always, that's why the Bible says, I crucify my flesh world daily. Not once in a year, all night. No, daily. I bring my body under subjection to the will of God. Father, I denounce and renounce it to have no place in my life. Today, lead me. Yes. Do you know your weaknesses? If you don't know it, then it's more serious because it means that you can always be what? Upended. Sorry, I couldn't give you time to ask your questions. Uh, <laughs> next time you can ask your questions. I want you to bow down your head and I want us to pray.